Opinions are cheap. Cameron, Chad, and you, the listener. You who are our lifeblood. You who are our heart, our soul, our eyes. Without you, we do not wake, we do not sleep, we only be. And opinions be cheap. Chad, how you doing? I dig that accent. That was funny. That was, that was like fucking good open. If we stop now, this would be a successful episode. Well, my day was good. Thanks for asking. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't get to the small talk right away. <laughs> what are you, my fucking girlfriend? <laughs> oh, you wish. You seem like you'd be a lot lower maintenance than some of the ladies I've dated. Well, lady. <laughs> there was just the one. Uh, man, I, I love how... Uh, I don't think we can go a single episode now without bringing up how single we are. I don't mind being single, though. No, like, I don't. I almost, like, but I like bragging it's like, about it doesn't it. have to be brought up. But it's like, hey, you want to talk about My Little Ponies for an hour and a half? Yeah. Hey, do you, do you want to talk about uh, tra- our favorite Transformers and the Transformers that we don't like anymore? Yeah, sure. Three hours. Yeah. We did do these things, didn't we? Mm-hmm. We are we are a sad pairing of individuals. I don't know. I think it's just right. Well, that's your opinion, and that's cheap. Yakety smackety do. This is a top-tier humor we got tonight. I'm drinking rum. Me too. I got loco nut. I got, I got cruzan dark rum. For all the listeners at home, very good stuff. Only 13 bucks for a bottle. I want it. My store didn't have any. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where it's from. Well, Island of St. Croix. I don't know where that is. Probably, Probably in an ocean. I hope because it's a that's moon where island. islands are. I don't know. I want a moon island. Moon island? That would be cool. Wouldn't it just be the moon? Like, is the moon its own island? In the context of the ocean of space. I wonder. But then, like, there is a planet, so it's like a continent. But it's a really tiny ass continent because we're not a very big planet compared to like Jupiter or the Sun. I don't Man, really know how this works. The Sonic Forces, it, it's paced so poorly. How, where does this come from? I got to the Death Egg, which is the mm. part where you go to space. And that's like halfway through the story and you just go back to the planet for some reason. That's stupid. And, and you do the chemical plant zone and it's like really uninspired and lazy. I still need to fucking finish Sonic Mania. I got two levels left. You can do it. I believe in you. I might do that tonight. I, I tell you, though, that, that game's hard on the eyes. Like, you move so damn fast. I can't keep up. I'm, I'm old. What, where are you playing it? Um, Xbox. Because I got it on the Switch, and it's just, it's the perfect Switch game. Doesn't it, isn't it buggy as shit? It is, but they're slowly fixing that. I'm glad, I'm glad they're slowly fixing it, not quickly fixing it. It's, um, you know, it's Sonic is all about the slowly fixing things. Yeah. It's in, it's in the spirit. It took him ten years to fix his games, so. Yeah. His whole business model can't wait for the next Sonic game to not be like anything that's come out this year because Sega doesn't know how to like innovate anymore. They're just like, what if we just do completely new ideas every time and not perfect what we've made before? I so, I don't um, I don't know how these games get made. Did you see the Mega Man 11 trailer? No, but I heard it looks like uh, Mighty Number no. Nine, and that's really that's, funny to me. It, it, well, it is, but that was my first take. Like, I couldn't even finish the trailer. It's like, oh man, this looks so disappointing. I turned it off, and like an and anime like a bunch fan of, on prom night. Well, yeah, it's like there's these apologists going like, oh no, it's totally different. It's totally better. You got to see it again. 
and say, eh, just, I don't care. You deserve the pain that you'll receive. So when Bloodstain comes out, do you think, um... That looks awful, man. Does it? I thought that looked kind of cool. I just, uh, the more I see of it, the less excited I am. Sure. I was hyped when they launched the Kickstarter, and it's like, I don't know, every single new video, it's, oh, okay. And then they changed the engine to something else, and it's like, okay. And then they oh, hand it, it off they to a different that, dev this team. One too? Like, so does it look all fucked up now? It it looks just bad, like unappealing. Ten minutes from E3. It, it's weird because the character design, like on paper, they look neat. But in game, they just look super stupid, and there's a lot of oh. emphasis on boobs, and I just eh. what? I thought this was like gonna be old school, like nope, hand drawn art. Nope. Yeah, this looks kind of bad. Yep. Wow. And just like that, my hype died because I wasn't following the game I wanted to get. Yeah, which it, I feel like is so... a good way to do things. I don't know. You know what was great is Shovel Knight, and yeah. it's like they they had a pitch. And they had some pictures of what it'll look like, and then they delivered on it. And it's like, okay, good. It's everything I wanted. Yeah, this game looks kind of like shit now. Fuck. This is why we can't have nice things. Because stuff happens, and things look like shit now. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Oh, rum. I love you. I haven't had rum in so long. I got fucking hammered off this stuff yet. Yesterday, I was playing ping pong with my neighbor. <laughs> I woke up this morning, and I wasn't hungover, and I was like, Jesus Christ, today's going to be a good day, because by all accounts, I should be thrown up. Oh, so is that why you're you're leaving a lot of like ping pong jokes on your Facebook? Yeah, I couldn't I, figure I, out where I was coming from. I, I was, I'm the Dark Souls of ping pong because I'm really hard to beat. I, I won all my games, and remember. people were confused. I said that to my brother once, and he's like, "You can't be the Dark Souls of ping pong because you're not fun to play." <laughs> I was like, "So that makes me the Dark Souls of ping pong because that game's not fun to play." No, you're the Demon Souls of ping pong. There you go. Apparently Dark Souls 2 has got some problems. He's playing through that for the first time and, and swearing a lot. That one has a couple, like, there are these moments where the design kind of falls apart. But then it's there's, not... like, there's there's peaks and then lows. There, there seems some, there's some cool stuff, but it sounds like when they made this game, they took, like, all the things they shouldn't have taken. Like, why fans like the previous games. And we're like, oh, they like this part, we'll do this a lot. And it's like, no, 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 we we didn't like that part. Because like I guess the game's got like a lot more enemies, and it's it's almost like this game's really hard. You're gonna really struggle to beat this one. Whereas the other ones, I think like they're challenging, but it wasn't the goal of the game to be challenging. The goal was to make a, a really fun hack and slash shooter or hack and slash uh, RPG with you know it feels really good to play, and it just happened to be challenging. Whereas the I guess Dark Souls Two, it sounds like they're just like no, we're gonna make it really challenging. I don't know if that's fair or not. I haven't played it. No, that might be fair. It just, I think some people want different things out of it. Yeah. Anyways, we were going to talk talk about about storytelling. Oh, storytelling. We got off topic for eight minutes, which is cool. I got a story to tell. Okay. (laughs) The end. Oh, man. My favorite part was when (laughs) happened. That's that's the whole, that's what makes it a story. It really is. It's a great character arc. So the reason I picked this topic was I want to talk about Star Wars. Okay. But you don't you don't care as much about Star Wars, and it got me thinking like a little more deeply about it. And I remembered uh, my college days. Every single like English and writing class, they they brought up Star Wars an awful lot, like as examples. Well, I suppose it's like a, the quintessential hero's journey. 
Well, yeah, they they would go to the hero's journey, but also like bad things about the prequels, just in terms of structure. Sure. And it's like it's weird the way that Star Wars is a a literary device example of both good and bad. It's kind of cool though. It in is. Way, yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, shit, like you can do the you can do the same for like something like Bartleby as a good like by you know uh, Milton or not Milton Melville. They both start with them. I'm sorry. Whereas it's not like a great story, but there's really interesting like literary things that go on with that story. So you know, Star Wars is like a Herm uh, a Herman Melville novella. The fact. The hero's journey. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, I I don't have any problems with it. Uh, it's a uh, really common in fantasy. I mean, it's a Lord it's a Rings pretty good like pretty template for any adventure, right? Yeah, it works. It's a good plot. You got to just do something interesting with it. And I mean, Star Wars did with all of the space shit and the Force and. Well, technically, the force is kind of just like magic, but the the aesthetic is what you know really makes I think Star Wars stand out amongst its competitions as far as hero's journey goes. Does uh, Thor count? Um, like the Marvel movie? Uh, or yeah. The character? No, the Marvel one. He's he's not really called to action in the way that that would normally happen in the hero's journey because he's stripped of all of his stuff. Like, he starts out as the hero, and then he's kicked out of hero school, and he's got to become the hero again so he can go on the hero's journey. So it's kind of like a... It's almost like a deconstruction of the hero. Or maybe not deconstruction, but it's definitely playing with the concept, maybe. I don't know if I'd call it a hero's journey story. You know what? I think I think Thor 3 was. That's... Yeah, maybe. I mean, he gets his hammer broken early on, so there's a certain level of that, but... But there's also, like, he... There's more of an adventure to it. There's There is more of an adventure to it, but it's like... What he wants is his home, like, you know, the way that he knows it. And, like, he doesn't want his dad to die. But when Thor dies, or, um, Odin dies... He's called to, it, to adventure, basically. Yeah, it, but it, but he also has that moment of, like, rejection, where it's not like, I will be the new king of Asgard isn't his first thought. Right. Like, he doesn't necessarily want to lead his people. But he also, but he does want to stop evil. So there's kind at, of a something similar there in terms of the template. Yeah, I'm looking at Campbell's uh, Hero's Journey template on the old Wikipedia. Now, you oh. yelled at me last week when I read Wikipedia. Did I? Yeah. I don't, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I was describing the history of My Little Pony. Oh, I was drunk, so it probably didn't actually happen. That's good. Man, I've been li- that was a moral oral quote that I thought was really fucked up, and I just, I just got to use it in the same context, except for I didn't, I didn't <laughs> shoot you with a gun. <laughs> So not quite the same context, but really close because I may have hurt your feelings. No, that works. <laughs> That's literature. There you go. Actually, talking about the hero's journey is interesting because when I was in college, um, one of my one of my colleagues wrote a her senior thesis on not on the hero's journey but the uh, like a dystopian journey. And I wish I had saved the paper because it was really interesting how the the circle circular arc is like it almost goes like in the opposite way where like the the the, the call to adventure is like realizing your uto your dystopia is 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 shit like because most of them are framed in a way that like this is utopia but it's not and then the adventure is like getting away from that or like failing to get away from that and so it, it's you're not like 
you're almost like running away from something or you're trying to fix it but it, you don't always fix it it kind of depends on on the story but she explains it a lot better than me and i haven't I haven't read no, it that is in an 10 interesting years or concept, whatever though but it, it got me thinking is there any way to do the hero's journey in a video game um because i feel like what really makes it aren't, like most uh, final fantasy games the hero's journey well no because what what really makes it interesting is the part where the hero like rejects um the the power sure like there's there's always a point where they're like no i don't want to step up to that that's scary and then they overcome that and then it's fun to see how far they go once they overcome that and right. we're setting up a video game like unless it's like really really uh, narrative heavy and you're not actually putting in controls like players don't say oh i don't want to do that I will not enter level two. That's scary. And then they overcome their fear and move on. Yeah, that's true. And it's like, I wonder if there's a way to trick people into doing that. I mean, um, is it is it a problem if it's like just part of the narrative? I feel like that's cheating. <laughs> if, if you play, like, it, let's say you're playing uh, Uncharted. And at some point, uh, Nathan's like, oh, man, I think I should give up all the treasure hunting. Um, and I just I'll just go home now. And there'll be a cutscene, and you just kind of know at some point the next level's going to start. Yeah, that's true. Like, it, it's not quite as compelling. Well, video game narratives are interesting, because you, you have the, the player control versus what the player cannot control. And, I don't know, when it comes to storytelling, I'm very, a little more traditional. Like, I want to be told a good story. I don't want to be the character in the story. I'm not, I don't like the idea of, like, the player cipher very much. Mm-hmm. Because... I, I generally just don't like myself, and I'm like, well, I can't fucking save the world. Why would I play a game where I'm saving the world? Now, Link. Link can save the world. I wish that fucker would talk. So I yeah, could be like, who is Link? No. I want to get into Link's head. I don't want him to be flat. Yeah, there's no... Like, I think Wind Waker gets close, because there, there's kind of this weird mentality that he's not a hero. He just wants to save his sister. Yeah. And he gets, like, he gets in too deep. But at the same time, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you can't go anywhere. You're stranded out in the ocean. Right. And so that's close because it's like if Link wanted to go home, if the player wanted to go home, they can still want that, but it's impossible. Mm -hmm. So depending on how, like, deeply you read into the story, it's maybe there. Well, and the idea of, like, of, like saving, saving a family member or a close friend, it builds the character, you know, Link, okay, Link is, he's got a family, he's got friends, he, he wants to protect them. Whereas, like, saving a princess like an Ocarina of Time, it's like, you don't know her, like, who gives a shit? Maybe Ganon will be alright. Maybe he's gonna make Hyrule great again. You know what, that was my problem with Breath of the Wild, and, I mean, that, that game does this minimalist thing so well, but there's no story. Sure. And they try to spoon-feed you these characters that are mildly interesting, but it's not really a story. Well, I mean, it's one of those games where they're probably like, well, people want to make their own story, so they'll play it however they want, and then they'll tell their friends, and be like, this is the cool thing I did in this game. Here's my story of me playing it. Yeah, but the stories are never like, I I got, I found a secret that there's a temple on top of the volcano, so I decided to go out and look for it. The, the stories that come out are like, oh, I got a balloon so I could make the fish float, and then I, and then I like, I got a wind to blow it into the fire, and then the fish cooked as it went over the fire. And it was really funny. Yeah, I mean, like, 
I know when uh, Skyrim came out and everyone was kind of like, here's all the crazy stuff I found. A lot of it was like, here's a crazy bug I found. Did you know if you get kicked by a giant, you fly into the stratosphere? <laughs> that and like the mods where it's like, oh, look, it, I got a uh, Master Chief for my sidekick. Yeah, and, and Fluttershy is the dragons now. It's just a giant Fluttershy. Because <laughs> I remember that being one. Oh, man. I think the Randy Savage one is the best, though. I don't think that I was one that of one. the first ones. But it's just like his his body stretches to the dragon length. So he has these oh like really God. long fingers for wings. That's awesome. Um, and it's like when it roars, like the the opening cutscene. There's like this ominous um like shadow that flies over everything, and you go, "Oh yeah!" And they're like, what was that? It's um, I know Minecraft is one of those things where like there are so many YouTube channels devoted to just people fucking around in Minecraft, and mm-hmm. and you know the procedural nature lends to all of this discovery, and every time you you boot it up, it's a new experience. And I get why people would be drawn to that. I think. I think there's value in that as a storytelling device. It's just it's largely the exact opposite of what I want. Right? I really like an on-rails story. There's no deviation. There's no like character choices that you, the player, make. I want I want the character that I am playing to be a real person, and that person makes all the choices for me. So actually, going back to that thought, and um, going back to the topic of storytelling, I think that I realized what the key differences for me when you compare the star Wars original trilogy to the prequels is the original trilogy really focused on a less is more and a show don't tell kind of a thing. Yeah. And the prequels just have straight up exposition dumps where characters will just monologue about how politics work or how the force works. Good exposition dumps either. Like explaining the force is metachlorians takes away from the world in the universe that is Star Wars. It does not add to it. And I don't yeah. know why... I don't know why, like... What was Lucas thinking when he did that? But it, then, you know, Ridley Scott did Prometheus, which was like an hour and a half of doing nothing but that. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I, I would love to know how that movie got made. Because I'm pretty sure, like, George had a swollen head. And he sincerely believed he couldn't do wrong because everyone loves his thing so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but what gets me is after the first one was so poorly received, he made two more just like it. In in a way, some of they were kind of worse. Like the second movie is awful. I like the second one, but I like it because in my head I compart I compartmentalize it into like a series of fun vignettes. Okay, as a whole movie, it's kind of a mess. I don't um, know. They're all pretty messy. Because I, I, I would watch a whole movie of Obi-Wan doing a space detective thing. Yeah. But it's like, we have this space opera, and then we're just going to inject a scene where Obi-Wan goes to a diner. And then we'll have this like dramatic, uh, like the the bad guys are forming together, blah, blah, and there's the robots. Um, And then just we're, let's talk about sand and ride space cows for a little bit. And the it's just the pacing is strange. I don't know how a storyteller who has told really good stories can can shit that script out and be like, "This is a really good story." Well, he's a good storyteller. He's just not a good writer. Sure, like he can concept stuff out. I mean, that's um, Ridley Scott. He, he, well, yeah. Um, George Lucas actually worked on the Clone Wars as like an advisor, where they would go to him and they would just brainstorm forever. And then the more competent writers took everything he said and then formed it well. 
And you know, there's there's great value in being a good director and a good storyteller. Like you don't have to do everything. Right. Because I mean Ridley Scott can fucking frame a shot. He can direct gorgeous, gorgeous movies. And it's just like let someone else write the script. Thumbs and I up. think uh I might not agree, but a lot of people like to say that Empire Strikes Back is the best one. And he didn't direct it, you know? I think Return of the Jedi is the best one. I do too. That movie's but fucking it's close. fun. Uh, and the Ewoks are awesome, and haters can fuck off with the people that like I hate Fluttershy. Porgs. Huh? I hate Porgs. Porgs? What are Porgs? Those are the, the new Ewoks and the new movie. Oh, they look... Yeah. And it's weird because all these people are like excited about Porgs, and I know for a fact they're the same internet memers that complain about Ewoks and Jar Jar. And it's like, no, but you're going to defend Porgs before you've seen the movie? I, uh, sometimes the internet's amazing, and sometimes it pisses me off. Yeah. I'll defend Jar Jar. I like Jar Jar. He, Jar Jar was the only realistic fine. character in that fucking movie. He was like, this shit's fucked up, what are we doing? Only he said it in a really obnoxious way, but at least he was the one to say it. Yeah. He emoted. And then, like, you, you mentioned, um, we, well, we talked about exposition, but you mentioned world building. Mm-hmm. And there's so much in, in just A New Hope. That movie's not very long, but it captured everybody's imagination so much. Like, it, it, when you're on the desert, and it's just this, like, barren desert, and there's nothing, and Luke keeps talking about how his friends went off to go do stuff. And it's like, I want to go see stuff. And they go to the cantina, and there's so many different aliens. And it's like, oh, each one of these guys has a story. The cantina is an excellent scene. It just because comes the, to life. The monster design or the, the alien design is is largely phenomenal everywhere. And it just it opens up so many possibilities because there's like each one of these people came from a different planet. That planet has its own rules and its own stories and it's just it's it's a small area that is huge. It's just massive in in, in potential. And and like there's that one guy that bumps into Luke and he's like my friend doesn't like you. We're wanted on five systems. And it's like, what did this guy do? Like, is he just a jerk? Or is this like a, a serial bank robber? Like, the world kind of feels like something. There's, it's one of those things where, like, like Sonic has all of these OCs and his fan fiction galore. And it's like, why? Whereas when you look at Star Wars and his expanded universe, like, it makes sense. Because there's room for all of that shit. Like, I get why, like, Star Wars captured so many people's imagination and wanted them to make more and ask questions and just enjoy this. I mean, well, it's also, really a universe. Like, when they go to every new planet for the first time, and there's, like, new things there. Like, it, it's so cool when they go to Cloud City. Cloud City. And it's like, whoa, whoa, what? There's a whole, like, planet of clouds? Like, they have a whole city there? Like, what do they do? They're mining gas? What? And it's like these new ideas that they do not dwell on, but they introduce enough and they, they talk about it so casually that it feels real. Well, man, it's like you said, though, less is more because it's real to them because to them it is a part of their daily life. They don't have to ask questions. They're like, oh, yeah, it's Cloud City. They're fucking mining helium or whatever. Do, 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 do. They don't have to tell you, look into the camera, be like, this is why we're mining helium and this is how we do it. And, and, and the Empire doesn't like it and, and all their stuff. Because that would just be unnatural for everybody. And that can be well, the problem with like the way 
stories handle exposition, especially like comics, like first issues, where they're trying to introduce this world and there's this um, this like fear that people aren't going to get it, so they got to explain it to you. And no, the best way is to not explain it at all. Maybe even just don't dwell on it and just keep going because these that's how it works. These people live in this world. Well, they don't question it because they live there. It's like uh, Obi-Wan... When when Obi-Wan's talking to Luke for the first time and mentions his father, um, he talks about how uh, his... he I, for, I forget how he phrased it, but he said that he used to fight alongside Luke's father in the Clone Wars. And Luke's like, you were in the Clone Wars? And it's like, yeah, and they move on. And for years, no one knew what that really meant. See, that is... That's brilliant. That is really good storytelling. And it's like they don't, you know, Luke doesn't say, you mean the period of time uh, from the last 20 years when there was the droid army led by the trade rebellion? And like they don't talk about useless garbage. They just talk about their life in a way that they, you know, if if somebody said, oh, my great grandfather was in World War II and he fought the Nazis. It's like, oh, wow, he fought the Nazis and moved on. And some alien was watching this conversation. They'd want to know more. Right. But it would be a believable thing that someone would say. Exactly. Because you move on. Everyone knows what a Nazi is, and you go, keep going. It, it it can be really hard to, when you're actually writing a story, to handle that well. Because you don't want to be, like, too into the woods with it. Because um, people will legit be confused if, if these characters are referencing shit or just... You have to ease people into the world, and Star Wars does a really good job of, of easing people into the world. Well, yeah, like, Obi-Wan's really mysterious when he explains it, and it's vague enough that you can kind of imagine what he's going after, but he never says, and also, if you focus real hard, uh, you can leave your body behind and turn into a ghost, and so just in case Darth Vader attacks me, I'm gonna go turn into a ghost, so heads up. <laughs> um, Like, that dialogue doesn't happen. I feel like that and would be like in the prequels. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> There's so much in the prequels that just they dwell on stuff sometimes. The prequels is a is a script that didn't see editing. Right, everyone is too afraid to talk to you know talk. You know, that's hey, really hey, what it is. Is did you know um what Count Dooku's name originally was going to be? No, or maybe it was Darth Maul, but they they had a they're designing a bad guy for the movie, and at some point, or maybe no, you know what? This is a game, but they ended up moving on. Uh, but George Lucas showed up and he's like, oh, you, you know what? Um, we should, we should name him Darth Icky. What? And everyone in the room was like terrified to just tell him no. And one guy was like, uh, well, actually, we, let's, well, let's first, let's write that one down. But we were thinking about, uh, what about, um, this name here? And this name, so, I, I, I like Darth Icky. Um, I, I think we should think on it. And they were all like terrified that they'd have to make this game about Darth Icky. Man, I've never had to be in a situation where someone says something stupid that's an authority, and I have to just be like, "Well, I guess we gotta go do that now." Like I've, I've been pretty lucky with like the jobs I've worked and the people I've worked with. Where if someone does something dumb, I can be like, "Okay, wait a minute." And I'm always professional. Like I, whatever, however I sound on this podcast, I'm generally pretty professional at work. Just like the idea of someone saying something so flabbergastingly ridiculous, 
And then everyone being like, shit, if we say no, we'll get fired. So I guess we have to walk on eggshells and hope to God he comes to his senses. Like, that's... I, I, I just yeah. can't, like, fathom that fucking situation. No, it's not a fun situation to be in. I, I'm i trying to think of stories I can tell, but technically I shouldn't tell any of them. Mm. But it's not a fun situation to be in. Sure. And especially... What's weird about Star Wars is whenever people get to work on a Star Wars thing, it's like, oh, I grew up watching Star Wars. This is such a big deal to me. And so th- there's this, like, fanboyism where you're, you're just so excited problem. to be a part of it. And it's like, man, I can't believe that EA is letting me work on Battlefront 2. Like, I, I get, I get like, both sides of this argument. Like, I, I love this thing. I'm going to work on it. I get to work on it. I will do my best to make it the best. But there's a... I think a lack of objectivity and a lack of like this is a job to that and it can cloud cloud your judgment um you, you know how they wrote the uh, Star Trek reboot movies poorly no they got um and you shut up <laughs> they got a guy who was a huge like Star Trek fanboy and they got another guy that just does not care for Star Trek and he's never really watched it and then Abrams who was kind of like yeah I get Star Trek and the three of them worked on the script together. I like that you get you get a mix of everything. Yeah, you got checks and, they, and balances. They worked well together. Like it wasn't just make sure you get three people that disagree a lot. But they're coming with different perspectives, mm-hmm. and they came together with a script that was like, "Hey, a new age audience will appreciate this, but hardcore Star Trek fans will not revolt over it." And then the third movie sucked balls. Yeah, well. That, to be fair, that was the director's fault. That I enjoyed was... it well enough, but I I think the first one was really like the good one. The first one was good. I never saw the second one because everyone said it was shit. And then I saw the third one. I was like, man, how come people don't call this one shit? Well, the problem with the second one was they just remade Wrath of Khan. Right. And it's like, and well, he also fucking watch like, They kept Khan. saying, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to remake Wrath of Khan. No, it's not Khan. It's this other guy. And it turned out to be Khan. And like they, I can't believe it. I. It was. Sorry. I was disappointed. No, not that, but <laughs> but shame on you. Yeah. So, um, we're actually going through my notes really fast. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh well, no, it's just it's nice that we're actually like moving through the topics. Normally, this, we get this so feels like a really good organic conversation. I like this. So, I want to talk about. Um, I like Boba Fett. Boba Fett's cool. And Boba Fett, he's uh, a like bitch, again, but he's cool. In like the first trilogy. It comes back to this thing where it's like he never takes his helmet off. Like he's this mysterious kind of just. There's a guy there that is like, the oh wow, he's able to track down Han Solo to him by a blind dude. Yeah, he falls in a pit and dies. Yeah, and everyone loves him because he looks cool. Yeah, he looks cool. That's it. And it's that's great. It. You don't need anything more. It's so great. I love that. So I really don't care about the expanded universe and how he like he has his own lightsaber and he's saved a planet what? and. It's so the the fanboyism gets out of control. Like I love Boba Fett. I got That's a little Boba Deviant Fett action figure. Shit. Well, it is. It's literally like bef- if the internet was a little more widespread, we'd probably see like an Undertale style Mandalorian story by now. You know oh what I mean? Oh my god! It's so weird. There's so many books about him that contradict themselves, and it's so weird. And then what bugs me even more is how it's a plot point in the prequels. That they made an army of Boba Fett clones. Yeah, and then none of them can't aim, and they're like, no, the rifles are all bad. It's so... I don't know. It's it's dumb and unnecessary, because what they had was something that people liked. It's like, oh, there's that one guy with the costume. 
and I know his name, even though they never say it on film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and they tried to do the exact same thing with what Captain Phasma in the newest movie. Well, that's what makes me laugh because when they <laughs> when they unveiled like the characters and stuff, there's this like shiny stormtrooper. It's like, well, what's that guy's story? And they release the action figures early. And it's like, oh man, I'm gonna eat this one. They look cool. And I remember people saying like, oh man, I hope that Captain Phasma has a has a great role in the movie and blah blah blah. And I remember saying, like, I bet she doesn't even get any lines because it's literally just Boba Fett. Like, it's just there's a person that looks cool and they want to sell action figures and they're just trying to replicate Boba Fett. And then sure enough, like in the movie, she doesn't fire a single laser. Right. Like they grab her and say, open the access ports. And she's like, "Uh, you'll never stop us. So I'll do that anyways. And it's weird, though, because. There's a cynicism that comes with that where you notice that, like, oh, they're doing Boba Fett 2.0 to sell toys and make people happy. And there's, like, this thought and maybe focus testing behind this fucking character. Whereas Boba Fett, I feel like it's just, no, there's just a side character people latched on. Yeah, that was accidental. There's, like, there's, there's an organicness to Boba Fett, whereas with Captain Phasma, it feels like someone up at Disney was like, okay, we have to have a new Boba Fett. George Lucas is on record saying that he doesn't understand why people like Boba Fett. And, like, like Fett dies in the opening of Return of the Jedi, and he got a lot of backlash for it. And he's like, are, are you serious? You care? He's got a point, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that's what's funny, is that, like, he did not design Boba Fett to be this integral part of the plot. Uh, his his role in the story is done. Right. Um, It's kind of like uh, Grand Moff Tarkin dies on the first Death Star. And it's like, oh man, that was cool, but that part of the story's done. I don't know who that one is. He's like, he's the general guy that's in charge of the Death Star. Oh, okay. And like, when they're gonna blow up the Death Star, someone's like, should we evacuate? It's like, now? In our time of glory? And then they blow up. Ah, that guy. And then they CGI'd him really bad in Rogue (laughs) One. Can we smash Dragon Ball Z for a bit? (sighs) Hmm? Because... Toriyama released an interview not that long ago where he explained how Super Saiyans happen, and he was basically <laughs> Metachlorians, but with Super Saiyans. Yeah, isn't it like Saiyan... Saiyan it's S-cells. Or, okay, and I was yes. like, motherfucker. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 like, no it's that cool, a... because there's like these six warrior ghosts that travel to the universe looking for other Saiyans to become Super Saiyans, and they have, it's like, no, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Everything you're saying is stupid. Is he doing this on purpose? I... Like, is well, the story supposed to be stupid, and he's getting frustrated that people take it serious? I almost wonder, but... Like, Dragon Ball Z's never been, like, a great story, but at least, like, the free up through the Frieza saga, it was... I feel like there's good storytelling there, and then it, after that it gets... It, everyone gets stupid because the plot demands it. And yeah, I, I don't know, it kind of it, breaks so, apart. I don't it's know. It's so fucked up that it's still going. It's one of those things where it's like, just let it end. Kill it off at some point. Give it a good ending or an okay ending if you can muster it. And and then be done. It's fine. You've already inspired so many people and so many other artists and stuff to make their own stuff. Like, like Dragon Ball Z is going to be like this weird cultural lexicon like a thousand years from now if we're still around. Because it's Dragon Ball Z. But then there's going to be like these conversations like, well... There's the dark part, and then there's the good part. And the good part's, like, the first, like, 90 episodes. And then everything after that is shit. Because they couldn't just fucking end it. Or. Or. <laughs> they keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it just. There's so many, like, somebody made a, uh, a 
like a power level tier list. Like, you know how those have like S rank here and A rank and B mm-hmm. rank. So they had one where it was like F, uh, D, C, B, A, S, triple S, um, 10 S's, uh, X, triple X, um, Sigma plus alpha plus omega um the square root of f the square root of d <laughs> like it kept going up and they kept like adding characters in and there's like they're making stuff up where there's like super saiyan 5 super saiyan blanco godform blanco yamcha and they were just like they're just like uh microsoft paint recoloring everyone's hairs and like copy pasting the tier lists over and over and it just kept going and it it was so uh perfect because it it looked accurate nice Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, so I so I brought up Boba Fett and because I wanted to bring up Phasma, so I thought it was funny that you immediately went there. Because it's yeah. the same thing. I I'm reading that or I'm listening to that Phasma book. How is it? I love Phasma. Yeah. But I don't want that mystery part taken away. So I was even like on the fence if I want to listen to this. And they do this interesting thing in the book where they do not tell the story from Phasma's point of view at all. Well, that's cool. Like, that's like, actually really fucking interesting. Like, this book's about Phasma told through the eyes of Jeff. Well, it's just like there's a there's a rebel spy named Jeff, <laughs> and in uh, there's like a first order guy that wants to betray Phasma because he wants power. So he captures Jeff and says, "Tell me everything you know about Phasma." And the rebel spy is just like spilling the beans on a story that they heard. Huh. So it's like, oh, this might not even be real the way they're framing it. Yeah, that's some unreliability going there. Um, so it's kind of like a fun adventure where Phasma does stuff, and like her her home world is Mad Max, and she's the person from Mad Max that punches people, and and she meets some stormtroopers, and she joins the stormtroopers, and so it's a fun story, but it's not spoiling the mystery. And it's like, oh wow, I somehow they managed to maintain this without immediately spoiling it. Like I think a lot of people think they want. Well, it it adds to her character though, in a way that like, like she's got like mythology to her that may or may not be true, but it's like, well, yeah. I heard, and all of a sudden she's bigger than herself because she's got these stories, and most of them are probably bullshit that people tell in bars. But it you know it right. adds to the allure, so it's actually pretty smart as far as like marketing goes and just character building oh, goes. Like uh the Heath Ledger Joker, where he tells the backstory of how he got his scars. Yeah. But then he tells a, a separate backstory and you realize he's just making this up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that adds so much more depth than him being honest once. And or then the new Joker, they just tattooed the word damaged on his face. <laughs> We're like, fucking nailed it. It's Hey, we did it, guys. Good job. It's so fucked up how you can just like, you can see like, this is really good storytelling. People should learn from this. And then like, four years later, like, or, or, we could we could just do something really fucking stupid. You uh sweet talking me. I don't know why you you would think like storytelling would be like iterative, that people would learn from the good stuff and ignore the bad stuff. So did you see that brain dump on the Joker? I uh, did not. He he has this breakdown where Oh no yeah, I, I think I did, because he it's about like the Joker's got three things. He's gotta fucking tell jokes. And then there's no, two other two things. things. No, just two things. He has to tell jokes. And he has to laugh. Yeah. And that's what makes him the Joker. For some reason, nowadays, when people write the Joker, they write a psychopath with this interesting backstory, and it's dark and twisted. But every single one of Batman's villains are psychopaths. 
Right. Like, what makes the Joker special is that he's a clown. So he mm-hmm. has to tell jokes and he has to have a crazy laugh. And for some reason, people, like, start romanticizing the psychopath part and we end up with the uh, Jared Leto version. And it's like, no, we, we don't want to know stuff about him. He he should he should have a dumb pun lined up and a creepy laugh. And that's what makes him a good Joker. Right. And what's funny is, like, I watched this video. I was like, man, I totally agree with that. You know, the... the Jared Leto one just isn't that good of a Joker. And then the uh, Telltale Games Batman comes out. <coughs> Did you, uh, have you seen any of that? No, I mean, I, I'm aware of it, but I've never so played it. The, they introduced the Joker, but he's not the Joker yet. Um, oh, of course. He's, he's John Doe, and that's his actual name. And he's Batman's, uh, well, he's Bruce Wayne's friend. Okay. And Harley Quinn has a crush on Bruce Wayne, and the John Doe has a crush on Harley Quinn. And it's like this personal growth story about like the backstory of the Joker and what might lead him to becoming the Joker because of Bruce Wayne's actions. And it's like, this is not at all anything that I want out of a story. Like, I was interested in this game until I read that article, and it's like, yeah, I'm just totally done now. Sure. It's, um, part of me is just like, wow, I thought his last name was Napier instead of Doe. Way to, way to just not follow established already canon. It's weird. That, that series is interesting, but it's weird. Uh, I had a thing I was going to say, and I don't remember what it is anymore. So, when, uh, there, there were a couple little points I want to bring up. Okay. When The Force Awakens came out. Okay. The two things I heard the most were that, uh, Ray is a Mary Sue, mm-hmm. and people want to know who Ray's parents are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like both of these things are the stupidest internet-only arguments that don't add anything to the social zeitgeist. Yeah. W- what is up with that? Like, why do people care what Ray's parents are? Well, because if she's going to be a Jedi, they assume that she's got to have very lower important parents, is my guess. But why? Well, exactly. Like, who gives a shit? Like, her parents But, but I mean, like... like Force Wilma sensitivity isn't genetic. Exactly, it's stupid. I don't know. I, I I I avoided a lot of the Star Wars arguments because, at the end of the day, like I enjoy Star Wars. I'm not in love with Star Wars. Like I'll see the new movie. I'll have fun with it, and then I will be like, well, two years from now, I'll go see another Star Wars movie. Yeah, that's a that's the most correct way to enjoy it. Um, do you think I, she's a Mary Sue? Not really. Do you care? No. That's, I, I only yeah. care if it affects the story, and she didn't like bother me at all in the story. I, I was never like, man, she's too good at everything when I was watching that because I was having fun, and you know who gives but a it's shit. It's also it's Star Wars. Like, name one character that isn't good at everything. Right, being a Mary Sue isn't necessarily. It, it's generally a bad thing, but not always. You can do interesting things with that kind of character. Um, it's not always like this damning thing because you read Twilight because your girlfriend made you and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is this character and I should hate it. It's like, yeah, Twilight I, sucked, but... I disagree. I think Mary Sue is always bad, but people oh, misclassify man, you to, it. You need to watch, um, haven't you heard I'm Sakamoto? Okay. Because the main character of that anime is Mary Sue, but he's also, like, accidentally the antagonist of the anime. So he's, he's... The, the least interesting character in the whole show, but everyone fixates on him 
and all the people that fixate on them are way more interesting and ultimately way more important. And so well, that, it, it's his really like deconstruction of this concept. It works really well. That feels like that feels like a very deliberate concept, though. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's the exception that proves the rule. I mean, it's generally a bad rule. Yeah, you don't want a Mary Sue or a Gary Stu character, but there there can be exceptions. Like it's not always a bad thing if you know what you're doing. I think people just like to throw that word around. I think they generally don't really know what it means. And, and that's the real problem, because people talk about, like, uh, like oh, Ray learned her force powers immediately and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Luke spent a total of, like, four hours. Like, he met Obi-Wan and then learned about magic and then was immediately blowing up Death Stars. Right. Like, th- there's... There's a, a, a... Those movies, even the ones that people like, they really ask you to suspend some disbelief. And just like, look, uh, there's fire in space when the spaceships blow up. No one seems to care about that. Right. Like, for some reason, these nerds will pick certain things and they'll cherry pick, like, what are the odds that Rey could fight off uh, three uh, guards? And it's like, well, she grew up on a crummy, you know, Mad Max planet where she's been doing that her whole life. So I think pretty good odds. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I burped and then silently and I, just, I fucking lost everything i was going to talk about it just went away <laughs> feeling kind of drunk now so anyways ray's parents are a couple of stormtroopers and that's canon now okay i believe you that was in battlefront 2 really? that's how the move that's how it ends really yeah i don't believe you i <laughs> it mm. I hope her parents are some fucking, like, Joe Schmo motherfuckers. They're just like, ah, I went to the factory and pushed the button to build the droids. No, your so, your mother like, was a housekeeper. There's this elite squadron of stormtroopers, and they're on Endor when the Death Star blows up. So, like, oh, no, we got to retreat back and um, see how the Empire's doing. And then they don't like it anymore. They're like, you know what? Maybe this Empire's not so, you know, everything is cracked up to be, I guess. And they, so they fly off and join the Rebellion. And then they blow up the Empire, um, and then they kiss, and then they fast forward, and Kylo Ren finds the dad, and he's like, oh, oh, so you left to become a father on a farm. That's interesting. I'm Dane. <laughs> and, then, and then it ends. It's like, oh, you have a daughter. That's interesting. And then it cuts to credits. And it's like, you have a daughter, but I was raised by the daughter. <laughs> Mm. Mm. Ah. the fuck was up with that third Batman movie it was I think it was supposed to be um, it was either supposed to be two different movies or it was supposed to be something else and then like some kind of there was some kind of pressure to hurry it along oh man there was so executive meddling in that thing yeah there's no way Christopher Nolan was happy with that one I don't think anyone was happy with it what a fucking mess why did Bruce Wayne uh, sleep with that lady that he had, like, one sentence with? Oh. It's like, there's so many questions in that movie. Um. Oh. Shit. I really want to keep drinking, but I've had, like, three. And I'm feeling kind of drunk. Oh, hey, maybe this is a bigger conversation. Okay. But what is a spoiler? Oh, man. A spoiler is when you're told something about a thing you didn't want to hear because you haven't experienced it yet. I disagree. Okay, what's a spoiler? Oh, the thing on the back of a car. He goes, 
uh, a spoiler is something that spoils the experience. Way to define a thing by using the word of the name of the thing. Well, people forget what the word spoil means. Like, it goes bad. Mm-hmm. So, for some reason, people seem to think that if they know how a story ends, that it was inherently spoiled. And Oh, man. I have to disagree, because sometimes uh, you know the good guys are going to end up okay. You I know, mean generally. Generally. But also, that doesn't necessarily ruin a story, because if it's a good story, you care. Like, I've watched Spaceballs several times, so I know how it ends. Mm-hmm. So I don't watch it a seventh time and I go, man, the whole movie was spoiled by that sixth viewing. <laughs> um, But a spoiler can be something that doesn't happen. And I think that's very important because people kind of forget that because they'll, they'll try to dance around things or they'll try to joke and talk too much about stuff. And going back to Wind Waker, I remember somebody wrote up a big uh, forum post and it was titled uh, Ganondorf is in Wind Waker. And at the time, we didn't know if he would be or not. Oh, sure. And he wrote up this whole theory saying how he thinks Wind Waker is going to be like blah, 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 this and blah, 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 that. And it's going to reference this and Ganondorf will show up. And he just sort of typoed the title and he meant to phrase it as like a question or like, I think Ganondorf will be in it. And what happened was it got a lot of people upset and like everyone's angry. Like, why would you say that? Why would you spoil it? And so... What happens is, when you're playing the game finally, you're either waiting for the point where Ganondorf shows up, and he never does, and you're constantly thinking about it, and by the end, it's like, wait, that never happened, and you didn't really enjoy the experience because you're kind of thinking about that in the back of your head. Mm -hmm. Or when he finally does show up, and it's a cool surprise, it's like, well, that guy online was right, and so whether or not that was true, that spoiled it. It's... Uh, there's a YouTuber I watch called Super Eye Patch Wolf, and he mostly talks about anime. And uh, he did a, a a video on spoilers, and there's I I can't oh, fuck it's been a while, but it was basically if you know the ending to a thing going in, that usually is not actually going to hinder your enjoyment of it unless you let it. And to prove this, you know, in a very uh um. I can't think of the word, but, you know, he, he decided to do it. He picked a movie he hadn't seen that was really well regarded, and he read the Wikipedia entry first, and then he watched the movie. And he's like, you know, the movie was still really good, and honestly, with some of the plot stuff out of the way, I got to focus on the characters more, I got to focus on the world building more, and, and how the acting was really good, and, and all this other stuff. It actually made me less, uh, I guess, suspenseful, but... The, the relaxed state allowed me to appreciate the movie in a different way, and it was still really good, and the movie's you know, still like a 9 out of 10 or whatever. So it didn't really spoil it for him that he knew the ending, because he still got to appreciate the movie as, as a first-time viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what, what's uh, The Sixth Sense? Oh man, that's the one where Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. And if you know that going into the movie, it's actually a better movie. Because there's a bunch of scenes where... Like, there's clues to that, and he doesn't realize it, but it's like everyone on set ignores him completely. Like, that'd be really weird if you're watching that and you don't know that, because you're like, why the fuck is no one talking to this dude? Well, it's weird. Like, there's a scene where he, like, his his wife is at a restaurant, and he's sitting at the table, um, or, you know, right across from her, and the waiter never brings him any food, and he complains about it, and she's ignoring him, and he's like, why are you ignoring me, or something. Um, And when you realize what's going on, it's very sad. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And it's neat because he does not at all get what's going on. And the scene is almost worthless and forgettable if you don't realize what's actually happening because it's subtle. So it's a movie that demands two viewings because you have to know that point at the end. And maybe that's a fun twist, but you kind of want to watch it knowing the twist because then all the pieces come together in such a cool way where it's like, oh, wow, this movie's really smart. And you can only appreciate that the second time. Right. I like that. That's I've actually never seen the movie, but it's one of those things where you know the spoiler because it's become infamous. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things with like uh, the whole um ah what the fuck the movie with the it, you know Rosebud. Oh yeah. It's 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 the movie of good movies. Holy shit! Why can I Citizen Kane? Fucking yes. <laughs> so I knew that spoiler going in because it's one of those that's been around. I didn't know anything else about this movie. So I throw in Citizen Kane, and I'm like, oh man, this is opening up this weird like promo reel thing about about the time period. This is fucking weird. I hope this isn't the entire movie. And then it just turns into this like fucking wonderful story, and you see the guy's sled. And you're like, oh man, that's that's really important. He's gonna say this when he dies. And it doesn't like take away anything though, because that movie is fucking fantastic. Like, it, there's a reason it's the Citizen Kane of movies. Like, it's a really good right. movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what's funny too is that there there's a style of uh, storytelling. I'm gonna have a little more wrong. Um, okay, you can't you stop me. I'm still here. Okay. The uh oh, you never saw Sunset Boulevard? No, I have not. We gotta we gotta watch that movie. I it, I wonder if it's on YouTube or something. It's so good. I think it's on Netflix actually. But um, it opens with a shot of the main character. And he's uh, floating dead in a pool. Okay. And he's narrating, and he's like, well, there I am. Uh, I always wanted a big pool and a private mansion here in Hollywood. Um, But I guess I didn't get it the way I wanted. Uh, and then it goes back into what led to this event. So the whole movie, like, if you if you think about it, you know that he ends up dead in a pool. Sure. And there's a part where, like, he, he arrives in a mansion, um, and there's the pool there. And, like, they don't hide that, you know, it's not a surprise ending that he gets shot by the end. They deliberately hand that to you right. to keep you engaged, you know? there was It doesn't ruin the story where it's like, I knew he would die. They put it at the start of the movie. <laughs> Man, there was something I read somewhat recently that had some, the, the same thing going on where I was reading it and I was like, I know how this ends because this character is going to die. And it was like that made it almost all the more interesting and all the more heartbreaking because you know everything every struggle that's going on is going to be for naught because this, this person is going to die yeah i, I want to write could, a story like that i wish i could fucking remember what it was I was it I, the legend of the titanic <laughs> i think it was a comic book oh okay but i i'm just scrolling through comic book reviews i've done because i probably reviewed it but i don't remember fuck i get, might have been an astro city thing Astro City's really good, by the way. Oh, you know what? I read the uh, that second um, the Jetsons comic book. How was that? It's actually getting better. That's good. I think the Rosie the Robot thing is really creepy, mm-hmm. but it's not getting in the way of what they're doing. That's good. So it's fine. Uh, dude, I'm going to stop looking at stupid shit. <laughs> Mon- oh, podcast, you know goddammit. We, we actually went an hour. Should uh, we be wrapping up? We can do that. Did you have any more uh, storytelling stories to share? Um, 
Mr. Author? No, I mean, at some some point it would be nice to revisit this topic from the the point of actually telling stories, because I know you've told stories, you've done webcomics, and you've done other stuff. Well, you know what? This this turned into a Star Wars show. So it really can, did turn into a Star Wars show. We can still uh, we still come back to the topic that oh, was man, intended. I gotta I gotta tell Jean Luc and be like, I did a podcast about Star Wars, and it was more fun <laughs> than when we've ever talked about Star Wars. That'll that'll make him happy. He'll that'll make really, him proud. He'll legit be sad if I tell him that. He well, he has bad Star Wars opinions. Does he? Hey, yeah. As someone who doesn't give that much of a shit about Star Wars, it's hard to tell. He just fucking starts talking about Star Wars sometimes. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Have you seen those Star Wars Bionicles? There's no way there are Star Wars Bionicles. Okay. I'll... Star you know what? That... Wars Bionicle. I'm going to Google this right <laughs> the fuck now. Images. Holy shit. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> so I take it you found some. I have cancer now. <laughs> Look at this fuck ass Chewbacca. That's... Okay. That's um that's the best review of those uh, Lego sets now. I have cancer now. Okay, the General Grievous one's kinda cool. He's the only one that works because he's a robot. Yeah. The others are all awful. We deserve every bad thing we're happening that's happening right now. We Look earned at this, this fucking America. Kylo Ren motherfucker piece of shit. This sucks. Look up the commercial. They do like stop. No, they do like 3D animation of the characters fighting, and it's just so garbage. I'm so unhappy right now. So let's do Glad Space and cheer up. Okay. Do you have a Glad Space? Man. Well, I really like this rum. <laughs> I didn't really want to talk about the rum, though. I feel like that's a shitty thing to be glad about because it makes me feel like an alcoholic. So here's a fucking weird thing that, that I'm glad about that it, maybe we'll take a little explaining. But, um,. At work, we have this machine that punches holes. It's a, it's a hole punch machine, but it's like an industrial one. Punches a lot of holes, run it all day. And we ran out of the punch part like it, it broke. We needed more. And everyone's like, well, how are we going to get more? Because we bought this thing from Taiwan, and we can't just, like, contact Taiwan and get more or whatever. So we're, like, making our own and doing all this stupid shit. And I was like, well, why can't we contact Taiwan and get more? And so I contacted Taiwan, and I bought more. And then they came today, and they're really nice because they had to custom make it because they use millimeters and we use inches. So it's like, no, I need like 800, but a smidgen more than 800 millimeters or whatever. Not 800, that's a fucking big punch. Um, but it just got me thinking, like, globalization and is kind of cool. Like how I can call Europe... And be like, I need a thing because only Europe makes it, and they can send it to me. And now we have it in the United States, and I, I like that. Like, like one of our departments, like most of the equipment was built in Germany. You go in there, and it's just all fucking German equipment, and they have to use millimeter rulers because it's German equipment. But it's so cool because it's state of the art for this department. Like, this is the best you can get right now, and it's from Germany. And it, I don't know, it's just something about that that's really cool. So That's a really that. good glad space. Yeah, it's, it's neat. I want to recommend the Orville. Orville, what's that? Yeah. So that's that uh, Seth MacFarlane um, Star Trek parody. I thought, oh man, people said that was shit. So here's here's why I, I want to recommend it. For some reason, the marketing build it as a Star Trek parody. Uh, it's not. Oh. It's not a parody at all. It's. It's barely a comedy. It really it's just lighthearted. Okay. 
um for some reason like the commercials are like the creator of family guy and now he's taking on star trek it's just that's hurting the show sure um now the other thing is that it it released pretty much like the same week as star trek discovery oh no so there's this weird like rivalry where there's people that are like there's some like star trek fans that really hate discovery and this like new reimagining so they're like bitter and spitefully recommending the orville and like i'm gonna watch a real star trek show seth MacFarlane gets it and it's not really a fair review either so if you haven't watched the orville yet i want to frame it like this it's a light-hearted sci-fi adventure it reminds me of lost in space or something just okay. told now. Um, like there's a couple like dumb fart jokes, but it's not a comedy. It's just it's lighthearted and fun, and there's color, and they shoot lasers at each other. It's just there's not a lot of TV shows like this on right now, and it's kind of refreshing to see something that feels new, even though it's kind of borrowing concepts from Star Trek. This is like the first review that's made me want to like watch this show, but I, I generally like Seth MacFarlane, so I'd probably like it. It's it's worthwhile. It's just the the trailers they put out and the commercials do not do the show a fair like uh, summary of what you're going to get. Sure. And then the weird like rivalry with Star Trek Discovery is like no, it's they're not even comparable. It's just they're both sci-fi, but that's it. It's it's just it's kind of fun. Cool. And I think if you have appropriate expectations, you'll really enjoy it. Cool. Yeah. Go check that out, everybody. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm tired. This is a big show. This is a good episode. Are we, we going to oh. stop recording? Are we done? I don't, should I do my Should I do my voice more? Which voice? The, the, your, the, your... The, the, the penguins continue walking. This sounded different from the voice you opened up with. That was a little more Australian. What you just sounded was a little more like uh, Morgan Freeman. That, no, it was kind of Morgan Freeman. Um, I can't remember what the voice was like. I lost it. Well, you know, all good things are fleeting. Except for my life. And opinions are cheap. <laughs> we done? Goodbye, everyone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop recording now. <laughs>